Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club 2021-22 Scottish Cup finalists, along with either Brora Rangers or Stranraer or Celtic or Arbroath or Falkirk or Dundee or Partick Thistle or St Johnston or East Fife or Hamilton or Livingston against Hibernian or Queen of the South or Rangers or Cove. You get the gist, Mark Donaldson, don't you? You do. You do. What a mess, isn't it? I don't know if this Scottish Cup will conclude. Um, it depends if Peter Law is still on a job and wants it to conclude. <laughs> because, what was that all about? That was uh. that was some apology. It was 30 seconds of an apology, and then it was four minutes of whataboutery. But this is a Hearts podcast, not somewhere that we can um, have a look and dissect the mess that Celtic are in. They're pretty good at blowing themselves up right now and, and causing mayhem. From a Hearts perspective, no game to talk about. Really good signing to talk about. And are we exclusive to start us off? You ready? Oh, yes, indeed. Kyle Lafferty will not be coming back to Hearts. Okay. Um, lo- Some people were like, will he? Won't he? Uh, a lot of questions were, were asked. don't think many people thought it might have had a chance, but it won't happen. Uh, message Robbie said, look, everyone's asking, what's the deal? Not for us, says he. So there you go. Um, Kyle Lafferty will be moving somewhere because he's, he's leaving Italy, but it'll not be Hearts. Hamilton was the one I heard this morning. I don't know what the script is with that. So there's your wee exclusive. Um, Robbie Nielsen wants a striker, but it's not going to be Kyle Lafferty. What's the odds if he if he moves to Hamilton, he'll score three goals and they'll all be against Celtic. <laughs> I am Laurie Dunsair and you are joining myself and Mark Donaldson for another episode of Scarves Around the Funnel. Hearts will maybe play Brora Rangers in the second round of the Scottish Cup at some point. Possibly. We don't know yet. It, if it does get played the second round, it will be Brora Rangers away after they defeated Camelin uh, in the first round tie that eventually got played. But we don't have much Scottish Cup action to talk about because it never took place. So we will be discussing the upcoming game against Alawa as well as the Gary Mackay Stevens signing that Mark mentioned. And uh, we're going to look at the January transfer windows of the past and some of the moves that Hearts have made previously. Before we get stuck into that, I, I know you said, obviously, it's a Hearts podcast. We're not going to get too caught up in Celtic uh, goings on. Um, but the phrase brass neck came to mind <laughs> right? during the week when um, Mr. Lowell sat there and told us that um, this horrific pandemic has affected the whole of society. It's affected our people here in Scotland. It's affected our supporters, our football club. Um, probably our club more than any. Smells right. More than any, Mr. Lowell. Hearts demoted, Partick Thistle demoted, Stranraer demoted, Kelty Hearts Brora denied potential promotion, Falkirk denied a shot at promotion, lower league clubs can start the season for two and a half months, lower league clubs can't play again now beyond below the second tier and Poor old Celtic were awarded a title. They got the chance to complete that um, historic whatever number of trebles it was by playing in a tournament the following season. And it was obviously 
really having a strain on things for them um, financially as well, given they spent a few hundred thousand sending the team off to Dubai for a holiday during a global pandemic. I, I really, you know, I really feel for them when I heard his, um, you know, that cry of, it's hurt them so much, probably more than any mark, hasn't it? I mean, no one's really felt this like Celtic have. Utter pish. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, the world does not revolve around what happens in the east end of Glasgow at Celtic Park. They're in this little bubble, and they had no idea. It wasn't until after, it wasn't you and Murray's article that did it, but you and Murray wrote a piece in The Guardian, which was absolutely spot on. And you know it's spot on when even some Celtic fans are agreeing with it, and the Rangers fans are lapping up, and everyone else is like, yeah, they're in this little bubble of contempt for everybody else. And they've been lording it for so long. They've been on their perch for so long that now that they've been knocked off it, because this was their short termism has been frightening. It was always all about getting this tenth, this tenth title. It's been like that to the detriment of European football this season because they've been excellent in Europe prior to this season. Really, really good. And them and Rangers have really helped the Scottish coefficient, which benefits the whole of Scotland because now a second place finish in the table which is likely to be Celtic or Rangers going forward, but there's still that little glimmer of hope gets you into the, the Champions League qualifiers now and an extra position perhaps in the new European competition, which benefits those that finish outside the top two. So there's certainly something to aim for. But they have had their own way for so long, yet they have still failed to think long term. It's like Rangers being demoted or whatever they were down to to the third tier yet still spending a decent amount of money instead of looking for youth and doing that it's this kind of we're celtic we can do what we want no you can't because now you've had a hell of a shock and i can now say and i didn't want to say at the time but i, I can now say that peter lowell was the reason why Craig Gordon didn't join Hearts in January, last January. Because Peter Lowell wanted a backup in case anything happened to Fraser Forster. He wanted to ensure that they were not left short. And he, he, he basically covered every single base, but that was short-termism. They knew he was out of contract in the summer. And they thought that Fraser Forster would be coming back. They fucked that up royally as well. They ended up with a kid in goal against Hearts, albeit the kid ended up being the hero because he saved a couple of penalties. But the kid's nowhere near ready yet. We saw that at Ibrox. So they left themselves short in a goalkeeping situation. He appointed a manager in the shower after a victory over Hearts, which did not work, ultimately, because if Neil Lennon or a better candidate were going for a job and neither were in a job and they were both going for the Celtic job, that better candidate is likely to get the job. But... It was a kind of, oh, well, yeah, he's done well, so we'll, we'll give him the job. And I feel for Neil Lennon. Whatever, whatever he has done behind the scenes, we don't know. I feel for him to an extent. Because ultimately, if he has had a go, and we've all seen the WhatsApp messages, and it's difficult to know now what's true and what's not, whether it's Celtic, Hearts, or outside football politics, or, or anything. Something may or may not have happened, right? The problem that Celtic have is that they put all their eggs in this basket for 10 in a row. They're not getting it. So there's now a whataboutery, a deflection, a blame. It's not our fault. And that apology only came about after so much water under the bridge. Hell mend them. 
So, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we don't want to get caught too much in the Celtic debacle, although there is obviously a, a slight bit of schadenfreude seeing them um, implode a little bit after, obviously, everything that happened to us. Um, I think Celtic's issue has been less about the pandemic and more about being very poor on the park, football-wise. In terms of the effects of all this, because obviously, since the last time we were on, um, the Scottish Cup is basically in limbo just now. It's postponed at the moment. Divisions below the Championship are currently on a three-week um, uh, postponement as well. There is a real worry that this is going to affect the season finish, yeah. isn't it? And we always had this fear, but now it's starting to get a bit more real because we've seen a few clubs had to postpone games and there can be more of that coming because obviously we've got the numbers are worse than they were when the whole season was cancelled last year. I think with this issue right now, I want to go back to something we discussed during the pandemic when the the first lot of games were cancelled at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. We asked the question, I asked you, and I don't think we ever got an answer to this um, from either journalists or from the SPFL. Is there a contingency plan? Does there have to be a certain number of games take place in the Scottish Championship, whereby we play right now three quarters of the games, we're playing 27 games, do we have to play each other twice before they can call it? And it's the same with the Premier League. Is it got to be up to 30 or whatever? Did they ever come out and say that a set number of games have to take place for the league to be called? Because right now, there's a lot of talk. I know we, we spoke a fair bit about Celtic at the top of this. There's a lot of, of Rangers fans concerned that they're that far behind Celtic now that they're looking at ways to get the league cancelled. So does there have to be a certain number of games played in the top flight and in the championship and to a lesser extent leagues one and leagues two because they kind of fall in with the championship, albeit they're not playing right now. How many games have to be played before a league can be called? Was that ever confirmed? So I don't think they ever came to an agreement on this. It it was put out there. It was discussed. I think the SPFL had been looking to put something in place, but there weren't final contingency measures in place. Um, do you remember they were looking to get all? Remember they were looking to get outright control of the SPFL if um, they suffered the same. You know, remember if they were in the same situation, the SPFL put something out there to try and get full control that they could make the call, but that was rejected by the clubs. Um, and there was also a proposal to impose three 0 defeats just based on not being able to fulfil fixtures, which was also rejected. I know that's slightly different if there are breaches, which we've seen for some teams. Um, so as far as I remember, and unless something has went under the under the radar and I've not noticed, I don't think there's anything set in place. There's not a cut-off of, you need to be 50%, then the league will be called as it is, or if it's under that, then it's, it's just um, void. I don't know. I don't think there is, which um, is a concern because what we're going to end up with, Mark, is um, the pandemic debacle Mark two. Especially with Wraith Rovers today, and we're recording this on Thursday, uh, having issues and a few of their players are, are either positive or won't be able to play. Um, not being boots on the ground, 
not being able to travel. I don't know what it's like in Scotland, right? I know it's cold because I speak to mum and dad um, most days, but I don't know as far as numbers are concerned what things are like in Scotland, but I'm led to believe they're not very good. No. I so mean, that, 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 that doesn't stand us in good stead for concluding the lower leagues of which we could play against someone who's been at their work because we play against part Alawar part-time, aren't they? Yes. So you've got your work. Peter Grant was saying that prior to the, the League Cup victory that they had over us. There were some of their players that were doing their work and then coming, not having much sleep, playing a game against Hearts. Well, where's I, I, the whole track and trace thing? I don't know. Where, where, where's the testing? What, what I'm saying is we are in danger of putting our players at risk it's all right saying that, oh, you need to have testing and, and whatever full-time in the championship now. That's one of the, the stipulations for you to continue. But you could test negative. You, you work in the medical industry. I, I don't. You can test negative, but you've picked it up the night before or yeah. you're asymptomatic. Yeah. So I don't know how it, how it happened at Ray, but if all this leads to more postponements, there aren't enough dates to make up. We now have the Euros as well that take place in June. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be in a situation where the lower leagues are continuing throughout the summer? When you've got players who are only under contract, most of them, until the end of May, because the clubs don't want to pay players for a month that they're not even going to be training yeah. part-time. It's, it's just a hell of a mess. And you've got to remember as well, I mean, part of the reason that it's come up for Wraith is because they are starting to test in the championship. There has been money given to clubs. There was that grant that was given to clubs, so they should have money for that. But it's worth mentioning as well, obviously, in, in the UK, there is still a furlough scheme until April. So bearing in mind that these clubs aren't bringing in any um, ticket revenue, obviously they're doing streaming revenue, but for, for a lot of the championship clubs, that might be quite small. I don't know what the numbers are, but it'll be a lot smaller than what they would make from actually doing... a a normal match day so for a lot of those you know using this money on testing um spending money on that and having to keep these players on full pay that might commercially be worse for them than saying well if we just shut up shop for the next few months you can furlough everyone and we get uh, and we don't have to cover their wages and we don't have to pay for testing it's Um, a concern it is it's a big concern and i mean and i think there's so many concerns i mean in terms of the country as a whole there's concerns because the numbers are similar and worse in some um some respects and what they were when everything was called last time we are carrying on a little bit more here in scotland and england um than last time because basically businesses and people have to try and adapt because some people will basically go under business wise or won't be able to carry on with their life if they aren't working or trying to find a way to get by so there are a lot of concerns and obviously for hearts which you know you know with things we're talking about it's maybe a smaller concern but for the hearts podcast it's a big concern the worry will be if the season gets called in for whatever reason it does not get completed or it does not get awarded as to where we are because we certainly don't want to be in a situation where next season we're having to do this all over again Mm -hmm. um uh, and especially from the, the fact that we've invested a lot of money to make sure that we do win the championship. Well, the other thing is, Laurie, at this stage of the season, season tickets for next year are pamphlets, brochures, packs are being put together to try and persuade 
supporters that come, I don't know, is it February, March, April time that they buy a season ticket? You put me and Jimmy's face on the front. Yeah, that would, that would dissuade them. I know. Oh, Jesus. Oh, so after, after all the chaos of this year, when it's just been convoluted, it's not the club's fault. It's just the, it's the situation we're in. People don't have between three and six hundred pounds, or the average person doesn't, just lying around that they want to spend on on a season ticket, knowing fine well that they might not get to see their team. It's basically a, a, a gesture of goodwill. So that is another issue for for clubs who rely heavily on season ticket money coming through. And some clubs budget a year in advance, uh, others slightly less, others a little bit more. How do you budget? going forward for for what you're getting in and and players wages aren't changing unless they're kind of furloughed or unless they're taking a percentage of uh, a percentage cut i i I don't want to get involved in a blame culture with this because that's easy that's what everyone tries to do these days and blame's easy but a solution is harder we're in a predicament here where i'm not even sure that there's two things exactly the same for, for for clubs some clubs are different. Um, other clubs are better run financially. Other clubs are maybe struggling. I, I don't know where we go from here if we end up with a stoppage in play like we ended up with last March. Then the season was called. We're only two months, we're less than two months away from 12 months on from when the season was, was stopped last year. Yeah. That's frightening. That's absolutely frightening. How, how many games have, have we played so far? Um, uh, this season, oh, I actually have the table. I had the like table in front of me. Uh, league-wise, we've played ten. So we're not even halfway through. No. It, it's a big and, concern. And the, yeah. Well, the the other thing is as well, Scottish Cup ties are taking precedence over league fixtures. We we saw the Dunfermline game be rearranged. Um, and now the Dunfermline game has been rearranged for the day that we would have been playing in the Scottish Cup because the Scottish yes. Cup can't take precedence right now because obviously because they're not playing it yeah except Camelin and and um and and Brora (laughs) they snuck in before that was like last orders wasn't it (laughs) can you imagine and we're playing three hours of added time no we can't they're the equivalent of Camelin and Brora were the equivalent of those that that one guy who's got his flat pint at the end and they're like, come on, <laughs> come on, out the door. It's 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 half past one. It was last orders. No, I'm still finishing it. You have to let me finish this bite. They, they're also the equivalent of Hearts and St Mirren, the last two standing before it all stops. Aye, yes, and, very and, true. And that, that could be the final Scottish Cup fixture of a year that the final doesn't take place. That could be a quiz. I hope that's wrong. Yeah. Um. I mean, look, in, in the best case scenario, it ain't going to happen. In the best case scenario, the Scottish Cup would resume with Brora against Hearts and fans in attendance. Because what an away trip that would be. But right now, that ain't going to happen. Because they've said... I'm the only one who's going to have to go. (laughs) See, this is where you and I have a... This is where I... I I am going to have a go at you. Um, I, I understand complacency. I understand it because... I love the job that I do, but at times you get complacent and you think, look, there's so many people who would love to do what you do. You're a lucky bastard in, in doing what you're doing. Um, and then when I heard a comment from you, I never said this to you at the time. I'm going to say it now. When I heard a comment from you talking about 
going to games and how, to, to be honest and to be fair to you, Laurie, you actually came out and, and when you said it, um, you did mention along the lines of this might sound a little bit flippant, but it does lose its luster. Whether it's going to a game when no one else can, whether it's me covering a US Open that no one can, you're in day 10 of a 16-hour day and you're on goodness knows how few hours sleep and you kind of think to yourself, oh, it's another day. So many people would have swapped to cover the US Open tennis and the other events that we've been lucky enough to cover. So many people would swap with you to go to a game. It's a six-hour round trip or seven-hour round trip or whatever to Brora. And I understand the complacency. And thankfully, so do you as well. But there are people that are just like, you know what? I can't be arsed going to this game today. Well, let someone else do it. Because right now, it's the only thing that people want is to get back to the football. And there still are people. And thankfully, you're not one that's included because you get it. There are people that are like, oh, it's freezing out there, dude. The last thing I want to be doing is going to the football. I think Wrong. the um, yeah, I think the thing is like that would be Brora Rangers away would be like my ideal draw usually because what I'd normally do is would be a bunch of us would go up make a weekend, yeah, weekend of it. And wouldn't it? Yep. Obviously, I'd be commentating, but you know, before we'd be doing things after the game, we'd be out and you know going to some new places, some new pubs. Try maybe maybe we stay in somewhere nearby. I don't know what's in Brora, but. Um, but that's it, way up, isn't it? That's like, oh, it's, that's like near the Faroe Islands. Ah, yeah, it's it's four hours away or something. It's mental. Um, it's, so a six-hour round trip would be oh, breaking speed limits. Aye. So, okay. <laughs> and obviously I'd be lucky to go there, but you know the prospect of on a seven, eight-hour round trip to sit in an empty ground is not the same as the prospect of that round trip with your mates, making a weekend of it, going to a ground you've never been to, fans in the ground. Um, so I know I get that. I think it's you know there was a real novelty when it first returned that I was just able to get back to football. But you miss you miss the fans, and it's the same. I know people be like, "Well, I'd love to be there, even if there wasn't anyone else." And I get that. But really, what we all want is for us all to be back there, not just me or just you or just four or five press oh, or commentators. Um, of course, and and the other thing is as well. Look at Levy Aberdeen. Twice Aberdeen have travelled down. Twice yeah. you've had to travel back without playing a game. Brora, <laughs> in January or February, if it's cold. I mean, look how long it took Camelin to play their game against Brora. And they had to keep moving it and switching it. If you're trying to tell, well, we'll just, hello there, it's Brora here. We'll just switch on the undersoil heating. Don't <laughs> worry, we'll see you when you get here. No, it's, that, that's one of these. If you're going to call that off, do it the night before. That's not That's not an easy trip. I believe, because sh- you said, do you know what it is? I'm like, well, it's kind of up north, not a wee bit. <laughs> Basically Shetland. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm like, whoa, you can see names there that normally get linked with John O'Groats. You're on the way there. There's like, you pass Wick. And I was I was listening to, and we'll get on to Gary Mackay-Steven later, I was listening to his podcast with Cy Ferry, and he's a Thurzo boy. And yes. That's one of these. Yeah. Thurzo usually appears at the bottom of a mileage chart along the side of a road, and it usually has like 77 miles remaining to Thurzo, or 180, or or whatever. It's never the Thurzo's next door. They always have Thurzo on a, a list. Brora doesn't appear, but Brora would be like Thurzo. Yeah. Still 180 miles to go <laughs> to get to Brora. <laughs> miles away. Don't have a pitch inspection two hours before a game involving Hearts and the Scottish Cup. I just hope the game takes place. Indeed. Moving on to a game that 
should be taking place. I don't say w- w- I don't ever want to at this time the, during this pandemic to say a, day, a game will definitely take place. Not until oh. I see both sets of players standing um, with the two first minutes, whistle, yeah. aye, until the first whistle. But um, Hearts are scheduled to play their first game in two weeks this weekend when they travel to Alawa. Um, scene of one of the most disappointing results of the season thus far, um, which was back in the 28th of November when they lost in the last 16 of the Betfred Cup after extra time thanks to a 109th minute Alan Troughton penalty. Um, since that game... Um, Aloha have only won one of their six home matches since. They're also on a four-game winless streak. They lost 3-2 at home to Cove Rangers in the Scottish Cup last time out. They also recently conceded five at home to Wraith Rovers. So Hearts certainly go in as the form side, despite that defeat to Dundee last time out. They have won five in it. They had won five in a row rather before that in the league, scored 19 in those five wins, including three at Tynecastle against Alloa. So, five points clear at the top parts, ahead of Dunfermline and Dundee. Alloa second bottom, three points ahead of Arbroath. Obviously, everything will point to an away victory, Mark. However, what we've learned from our last visit to Alloa is we can't take these sorts of games for granted, because what Alloa will do is it'll make life very difficult for us. Listening back to Gary, the Dundee fan, on our last podcast and, and reading some of the comments from Hearts fans who'd listened to that and, and, and maybe kind of thought, ooh, because it was Gary's experience of watching a Dundee United side managed by Robbie and how, when he mentioned he struggled at Aloha, as Hearts did this season as well. There's, there's, there's so many signs that basically say, don't you dare be complacent. And I'm sure Robbie will get that message over to the players. I read his interview, he did a piece with Barry Anderson in the evening news, and, and, and I was infused by his words, Robbie Nielsen, saying that they've had a decent opportunity now to get a little bit of a, a, a kind of reset, um, a little bit of a refresher, a couple of weeks off. Uh, Liam Boyce, a chance to recover. Gary Mackay-Steven, a chance um, to integrate with the squad. Josh Ginelli, um, an opportunity to, to kind of build up his fitness. He should be available as well. So I think it'll be the first time we actually get to see um, Boyce, Naismith, Ginelli, and Gary Mackay-Steven. And I think that is something that Robbie's been looking forward to for a while now, um, because his interview with Barry was kind of setting out how he how he wants the team to play and the players that he, he wants. And it's it's going to be something that they're building on to win the league this year, but also to, to hit the ground running next season as mm-hmm. well. And to have Gary Mackay-Steven in, I think, is a, is a phenomenal signing. Um, and I, I think if we hadn't have lost the cup tie, there might be more excuse for complacency, but there's no excuse now. And I would expect Hearts, hopefully, to, to come out and, and hit the ground running, because away from home, we haven't really done that, have we? I mean, at Morton, the first 10, 15 minutes were... We're okay. We, we pretty much dominated possession in the game going forward. But I'd just like to see us come roaring out the traps for a change. Oh, definitely. I, I think it's it's called for. And the problem with the last game against Aloha is we we created a lot of chances in the first half. We didn't take them. And, you know, it, we started to grow frustrated. And we seemed to lose our way because we couldn't find a way through. And Aloha grew in confidence. So and I think what you want is that 
sort of um, initial onslaught to 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 prove fruitful and get goals because these teams will struggle to get back if you can. And we showed that at Tynecastle. We didn't. We weren't amazing against Alloa at Tynecastle. It was a very um, pedestrian game at times, but we scored three goals. And when as soon as we got two ahead, you really felt that was it. We got three ahead, still in the first half. And it was kind of game set and match, job done, not having to overexert ourselves, which, which is fine at times. Um, and I think we need to have more of that mentality away from home. It's getting the ball into the back of the net sometimes, which is the big challenge. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry. There's also an air of predictability about Hearts, and I think the signing Gary McKay Stephen Stevens, Stephen Gary McKay Stephen Stephen, yes, one S or two. Gary yeah. McKay Stephen, just Stephen. It is. Yeah. Thank you. So I thought. Um, I think his signing gives us that je ne sais quoi, that little bit of something different. I saw a little bit of him over here in Major League Soccer. He didn't quite have the impact I think he was hoping to have. He played a decent enough side, but he still got something. And I was delighted at, at, at that signing because I remember you and I, prior to, it was after the cup final, against Celtic first time around, we did a podcast for signings. Who would be ideal signing? And his name featured quite a lot from us, from Hart supporters that got in touch with us. And he went off to New York. Um, I love the fact he's at Hearts now. And he gives us that unpredictability for opposition that I think we've been sorely missing. I really am looking forward to seeing him on one side and to see Josh Ginelli on on the other. That fills me with, with hope and enthusiasm for the second half of the season. Well, I think that sets us up to move on to discuss Gary Mackay-Steven, and maybe maybe transfers in general briefly as well. It's interesting, before we talk about um, Mackay-Steven specifically, you mentioned the fact that we'd spoken about him as a signing before, and lots of fans had highlighted him in the past, and he was. I think there was a lot of tweets out there, people going, Jesus, Hart signed Gary McKay-Steven. They actually signed the obvious player, the player that you should <laughs> sign. Which, you know, because normally it's... With Craig Gordon as well, but prior to Craig Gordon and Gary McKay-Steven, you're right, we, we didn't sign the, ob- the so-called obvious yeah. ones that the fans were, were crying out for. Well, it was interesting because we didn't put any homework out recently. So I thought it, it popped into my head, you know, what are the times you recall of Hart signing the obvious signing or the or the the player that seemed the perfect fit, you know, the right signing in terms of he's in the position that you want, he's proven, he's available. You know, Robbo back from Newcastle. Things like that. I, I mean, that's that's a good one, one that worked out very well. It did. One that popped into my head um, that didn't work out was John Sutton because I remember. You know, I think he'd um, he scored almost 20 goals for Motherwell the previous season. He, he, he was basically seemed to be a guaranteed 15 goal a season striker for teams that were at that at that time anyway, and most in that in the recent seasons around that spell had been worse than Hearts. And we needed a striker. We signed someone who was in the division, scoring loads of goals for teams that were below us. So it seemed natural sign him. We'd lost Kevin Kyle. So he seemed a natural fit. He's also a target man. He's big and strong. He's good in the air. Sign him. He'll keep banging them in. I was delighted when we signed him. It seemed the right option. And it just didn't work. A lot of it was maybe to do with the fact that Jim Jeffries um, was given his P45 
early on in the first season that John Sutton was with us and Paolo Sergio did not fancy him in the same way. Obviously, a different style of football was played by the Portuguese. But even then, I thought when John Sutton did play, it just never quite worked for him. Um, so that, that, I thought that yeah. was uh, kind of the other side of it. Yeah, That's a good homework. Someone I, and not from a Hearts perspective, someone I thought would take the Scottish League by storm when he signed for Rangers was Tori Andre Flo. Because mm. he just had everything you thought, this this is like the perfect signing. And it turned to shit pretty quickly. So sometimes it seems obvious. Sometimes it seems too obvious. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And I'll be intrigued to see who else that Hearts can, can sign and, and Robbie can sign. And also our, our, our new kind of sporting director, our director of football, mm-hmm. um, will have... Uh, an excellent contacts base with him. So I wouldn't be surprised if if we ended up going down south to pilfer someone who's maybe not getting a game for a championship team. Um, part of the conversation I had, that WhatsApp conversation I had with, with Robbie when he said that Kyle Lafferty wasn't coming back, he also said that they thought they were going to get a striker, but an agent's demands meant that one, the, the plug was pulled. So... Um, the agent was wanting too much money. So they, they are wanting to get someone in, but they're not going to be held to ransom by an agent or by a greedy player. They'll get who they feel is a right fit without paying too much for that person. I didn't ask, and I wouldn't, Robbie wouldn't have told me the player anyway, but there has been a, a hope that a striker was coming, but that deal has is, is now been ripped up because the agent was wanting too much money. And they're, they're, they've got many targets. It's not just one target. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was someone from the championship. I don't know anything, but it would make sense for a a new guy who's come in, um, who has contacts, to be able to say to Robbie, I've got this guy, what do you think? Or Robbie to say to him, what about this guy? That's how they're going to work. And fingers crossed they get the right person in. So I always think when you sign a player, when Hearts sign a player, so I love when Hearts do the... It used to be the transfer klaxon or, or whatever it is. But there's something special at signing a striker, isn't there? Yeah, someone who, uh, any kind of attacking player, I think. And, yep. and Gary mckay Stevens certainly falls into the attacking player category. So a quick look at him, obviously. He is 30 now, turned 30 in August. Spent last season in MLS with New York City and part of the season prior. Uh, before that, there was about a year and a half with Aberdeen between 2017 and 2019. He obviously started with Dundee United in terms of his um, in terms of top flight club after being with Airdrieonians. That's where he really came onto the scene. Twenty seven goals in one hundred thirty one games, ten goals in sixty two games for Celtic, sixteen and seventy two for Aberdeen, three and thirty seven for New York, three league titles with Celtic, one league cup, two caps for Scotland, and most importantly, that trumps all of that, eight goals against, against Hibs, including a hat trick in twenty seventeen. Um, and I think what I like about Gary Mackay, Stephen, is he, you know, I haven't seen him recently. You said you've seen him in the MLS. I can't, I can't claim to have seen him in any of his games for New York, but obviously seen him a lot for Aberdeen and Celtic and Dundee United. He's an exciting player. He's someone who tries something different. He takes players on. Of course, he's a winger and attacking player who will inevitably have spells of not showing because. Only the top players can play in those positions and put it on week in, week out throughout an entire game. But, you know, his flicks, his tricks, his spectacular goals, his direct running, he's exactly what we're missing, I feel. It's yeah. it's the obvious signing. And 
you can never guarantee any signing, especially when you're not at the elite level. I know that we class every pretty much every football game that's in SPFL is elite these days, but you know what I mean when it's not at the top of the game. You're not at the top level of football. You're not signing Ronaldo's and Messi's. You're signing players at this level. You can never guarantee it will work, but it's certainly the, the right move. One main concern about this move. That we don't play Hibs for the rest of the season, that, probably? That he needs to change his email address. Hmm? Have you heard this story? No. Oh, so you, oh! I, uh, I didn't watch. I didn't watch the Mackay Stephen one. Did he? He was a was he a Hibs fan growing up or something? He, he, well, yeah. I mean, he wasn't there wasn't a local team. I mean, Wick Academy was was kind of just down the A nine. But the team that he kind of he watched and and claimed he was a supporter of when he was younger was was Hibs. And he said the, the one issue that I've I've got right now is that I never changed my email address and my email address contains it's Hibs basically or something Hibs at whatever it is. <laughs> and this was this was from Cy Ferry's interview last January, I believe, when he was home um before he went back to New York for, for pre season ahead of this year. Mm-hmm. And he admitted that he was a Hibs fan. That's fine. We all have Robbo was was a Hibs fan. Um before he, he ended up joining Hearts. I mean that that's that's not an issue. You become a Hearts fan when you when you play for them, <laughs> but Robbo didn't have email back in the day, and I'm sure he uses Probably it now. Probably does it now, does he? <laughs> well, yeah, he's, yeah. Um, Gary Mackay Stephen has a Hibernian email address that might need to be changed now. Um, and it was funny listening to that now, prior to him even thinking about ever joining Hearts, because he was at New York ahead of the season that's just been, and uh, some of his stories were. Very, very good. I mean, the boy can clearly drink or can't hold his drink and ended up for 50 minutes um, floating or, to an extent, going a bit quicker down the River Kelvin. Um, <laughs> yes. When when it was a, a Partick Thistle Aberdeen game and they had a few days off afterwards and he was pished, but chucked out a club and went out the back door and over the fence and that was it. He was in the river. So we all do daft things when we're young. But <laughs> I look forward to... To Phil or Sven or any of the, the Hearts PR gang offering Gary a new email address that contains HMFC uh, instead of just Hibernian or whatever it is. We got some tweets about the signing. Um, Rowdy. Yeah, what, what, what are people saying? Yeah, so Rowdy Hart Tiger said he looked good the couple of um, times I saw him for NYFC. Needed his international spot, or I think he would be starting every game there. Played just three weeks ago against Tigres, so shouldn't be. Far off fitness, and he did. I did look. He played in kind of mid December, I think. He played in December anyway. So yeah, it was the Concacaf Champions League. Um, I mean, they got absolutely thumped, but he did start that game and played the full ninety minutes. So, Which is, so hopefully not, not far off. Yeah. Um, corner Corner Radish said, no doubting his pedigree, but a thirty year old winger. I think we have signed a player in decline. However, can only be an improvement on what we have, and I agree with Kingsley behind him and White as backup. That is a strong left flank. Um, let's see. Flitch says, not unduly concerned about how late we are in signing him. Not that old, to be honest. But more importantly, he has skill and pace. The more quality we bring in, the uh, is in is the better. Freer shouldn't be hard to move out, as we only signed him on a one-year deal to start with, and he only has six months left. Maximus Hound says good to see a signing that should be able to perform well in the Premiership certainly meets the criteria of a player who is better than what we have in the current position 
Phil Fielding, a definite upgrade in what we have. So happy with us signing him. And Waddle is delighted, says he and Gino will hopefully make things more exciting to watch and improve the overall team dramatically. And that's an important point. I think Robbie's alluded to the to it as well in recent times in the press the the, the product the attacking play it does really give you that option because one thing that we do lack at times just now is when plan a isn't working and teams are being stuffy and defensive we don't have enough players who can unlock them who have a little trick who have something out of the box who can take them on and i know he's 30 but 30 isn't too old. I mean, you should still have a couple of decent years, even given he's in an attacking wide position. Uh, I don't want to disagree with whoever sent the message in saying, "Oh, look at his age." Come on, this is this is a guy who you can be a young thirty or you can be an old thirty. I think Gary McKay is a young thirty, and I know he turns thirty-one in in August, but he's he's not a championship player. He's a top six player. Consistency is the issue with Gary McKay Stevens, so he just needs a run of games. He didn't get that at New York City because he came on more often than he started games. He had a really good season with Aberdeen prior to moving over here to New York when, when he started 19 and only came off the bench. Um, that was after a season where he had nine sub appearances and 22 starts. His final kind of spell at Celtic didn't really work for him before he went to, to Aberdeen. So he just needs to run a game. We know if he's fit, he's going to start. He He's fresh-ish, having played in, in mid-December. And the couple of weeks, I mean, I was speaking to someone who knows Gary pretty well. And at first, he obviously had to go through the whole rigmarole coming over from from the States, which he, he did, I think, end of November, December time after. Uh, sorry, he, he did mid-December because he played in, in that game. Then came over here, had to quarantine um, then signed with Hearts. We haven't had to play for a couple of weeks. Um, so he, he should be ready. I'm just excited about that signing because you've got to remember, for people saying, oh, he's, he's 30 or, or whatever, we are in the championship right now. We don't have that kind of command of, oh, let's go and sign him. or what. We've done well to get him ahead of Aberdeen. Aberdeen, in a financial predicament right now, are not as strong as where Hearts are. So regardless of where your position is, You've got to take advantage of that. Aberdeen couldn't offer or weren't prepared to offer anything or match what Hearts were going to do. Hearts came in, made it was acceptable to Gary. They did it cloak and dagger style, as Barry Anderson explained in his interview with with Robbie Nielsen. And it's so easy to be negative. We live in a shit time right now. Everybody's miserable because there's a pandemic. Just give us a positive. And when I woke up and I got the message saying, that's some sign for Hearts, Gary McKay, Stephen... I was over the moon. I was buzzing about because we haven't had too much to cheer about. So the the last thing you want to do is kind of let's adopt a negative aspect. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But let's comment about that if it hasn't worked. For now, I love the signing. I'm really looking forward to him playing. And fuck negativity. Indeed. Okay, before we go, I wanted to play a little game. Um, Oh. We're obviously in January, the the winter or the January transfer window. So I thought I would... I've picked three January transfer windows of the past and I will set the scene um, and see if you can tell me what the season was and 
even if you can name the players or some of the players that I'm talking about. Um, it's just funny looking back because you, you often forget when Hearts make when Hearts made signings. You, you only usually remember specifically January when it's 05, 06 because we signed 35 players um, <laughs> all in one day. So uh, I'll give you I'll, I'll set the scene. We'll see how you do. So um, okay. these are all seasons in the last um, certainly the last 15 years. So okay. we're not talking an age ago. In fact, when was the January window brought in? Can't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. Different conversation. Okay, so this is season one. So Hearts were sitting in third place in the mm-hmm. league, in the top flight, on the 1st of January. They were seven points behind Aberdeen, five points ahead of St. Johnston. In the January window, they signed two players, both on the final day. They were both Scottish, one an experienced midfielder on a free transfer aged 32 on a two and a half year deal he just spent six and a half years in england the other also on that day a 19 year old defender who signed a three and a half year deal from another scottish club both new signings would play quite regularly in the second half of the season and hearts finished third which is where they were on the first of january so a third place season and um, if it helps there was a few departures notably a striker who left for a, a reported seven figure fee in that window so if it's a striker who left for a reported seven figure fee it's either Andreas Velitska and that would be 0809 or 1011 or am I going further back can you give me some clues um, how close am I with, with those it's not it's not that season but it's not further it's not further away than that it's more recent so it's it's either 0809 or 1011 going back or it's 1516 correct Uh, so the striker for a seven figure fee after Velitska we sold Osman So to China. Yep. Was that for seven figures? Yep. There was mixed okay, so, whether it was million or million and a half, but it was reported yeah, okay. as seven figures, yeah. Right, so that was what, 2015 16? Yeah, that's the right season. Do you remember okay. who the two signings were? Okay, so the one was a young defender. Yep. Um, we signed them from another. Was it John Souter? It was. John Souter from Dundee United for an undisclosed fee. So he was a 19-year-old. And the other one, what position was the other one? Midfielder, central midfielder, 32 years of age. Was it Don Cowie? It was. Yeah! Don Cowie and John Souter both both joined Robbie Nielsen's side in their first season back in the top flight to help them secure third place. Good. Well done. Next one. Okay, season, this is season two. Hearts were two points behind Rangers in the table at the start of January, two points ahead of Hibs. They made two signings in January, one keeper on loan who would prove to be a very poor signing and an 18-year-old striker from Stenhouse Muir for £30,000 who would go on uh, later on to have a more fruitful career at Tynecastle. Um, there was a notable departure at the end of the window 
when Hearts sold one of their key players for £1.1 million. So I'm going to go David Templeton. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. player we signed, and that was, what, 2007, so 06, 07. Yep, that's January right. January transfer window. Um, so am I after two players, did you say? Uh, no, there was two signings, so that was one of them. The other was a, okay. a lone keeper who um, was not a good signing. <laughs> a lone, so did he play? He did play. After signing? He, did, but, he did play, not many games, but he played. But did he play that season? Yes. I believe he did. Oh, God, you're asking now. Was it that season? I don't, I don't think he did. 06, 07, Templeton signed. I don't think Templeton he... did, but I thought... Well, I thought, wait a minute, I thought you said... No, Templeton sorry, you're right, about, you're right about the goalkeeper. It wasn't, it was that year, but it wasn't that season that he, that he made his debut. Okay, so the goalkeeper would have been... A Frenchman by the nope. name of Anthony... It's not Anthony Basso. Nope. Not that window. Well, unless it was a... No, no, I don't think it was that window. So it wasn't Kurskis? It was Kurskis, yes. It was Kurskis. He signed January 2007. I didn't actually look when he yeah, played. He did, I just remember... He didn't, he didn't play until the December against Motherwell where he made his debut, his competitive debut. So he basically needed... He waited nearly 12 months, Eduardus Kurskis. Basso signed... Um, in between that, he signed in the summer. Yeah, but yeah. Basso signed in the summer and made his debut in the late September at St Mirren. But Kurskis had to wait nearly a year um, before he made his debut against Motherwell. So that was the wasn't worth the wait. wasn't worth the wait. <laughs> no, that was so that was January two thousand and seven. Who did Hart um, sell? Who did Hart sell? What was? Give me the clue about one point one million. It was a key player. One point one million. This is in the January two thousand and seven season. Um, okay, they would have sold. Let's have a look. For how much? One point. One point one million pounds. Neil McCann. Nope. Roman Bednar. Nope. They sold the player to Celtic. If that helps. Paul Hartley? Yes. Mm. Paul Hartley for 1.1 million. We did actually... Stephen Presley left around that time, but he actually technically left um, and joined Celtic in December, I think. So he wasn't actually in the January window list of transfers. That's right, because he was he was kind of free, wasn't he? he yeah, was he was released. For, yeah, um, he didn't have to sign in the, uh, the, the window. And then Hartley joined them. I think the following month. Yeah, so that later, was also, yeah, okay. Okay, right. Two for two. Yep. Hearts finished fourth that season, uh, four points behind Aberdeen and six ahead of Kilmarnock. Okay, third and last one. Um, season yep. three. Hearts were in sixth spot on the 1st of January, two points behind Motherwell. They made four signings in January. Mm. Um, a 20-year-old winger on loan who would end up playing 125 times for Hearts. A 23-year-old winger on loan who would play 86 times eventually for Hearts. A 22-year-old central midfielder on loan who would play just eight times for Hearts. Um, And a 24-year-old striker on a free transfer. A Scottish striker formerly of Celtic. They let three players go um, 
a first team fullback to an English Championship club, a first team striker to an English Championship club, and a young midfielder midfielder to a fellow Scottish club. So it's quite a busy window. So I'm thinking when you give me two wingers separated by like two or three years apart, is that Mikko Lunas and Chesnauskas? Mm, very good, yes. Okay, uh, let me work this one out. So I've got Mikko, I've got Chesnauskas. The third person, because I'd kind of I'd gone into, was it Mikko and Chesnauskas mode? Who was the third one? Did you say another winger? It was, no, a central midfielder, 22, so older than Miko but younger than Chesney, um, also on loan. He'd only play eight times in total for Hearts. Was that the kid, Marius Kietzisch? Yes. He had a good game at Celtic Park. He did. That's the only game I remember him playing well. <laughs> yeah. And who was the fourth one? So we've got Miko, Chesney. A 24-year-old striker on a free transfer, a Scot formerly of Celtic. Mark Burchill. Yes. That's the other one, under John Robertson um, that January. But obviously with the Romanov early influence with the three Mm -hmm. Lithuanians coming in. Three players left that window. Full-back to an English Championship club. Full-back to an English Championship club. Lee Wallace didn't go down south, did he? Nope. It's too early for him as well. Yeah, to an English Championship club. Jason Thompson wasn't good enough for that. Fullback. Um, what, Ma- what about Patrick Kisnorbo to Leeds? Um, no. Or Alan but Mabry. You were about to say, yeah, Alan Mabry to, to Leicester City, which probably helps with the next one, which is a first-team striker also to an English Championship club. It wasn't Lee Miller, was it? No. Uh, first team you should definitely get this one. Oh, De Vries went to Leicester. <laughs> yes. I remember him playing against Spurs and live on BBC One on an FA Cup tie. 3 2 game, um, was it? I think he scored, yeah. I think it's a 3 2 um, win, was it? And he scored. Because didn't have, he didn't have many good games down there, Craig Levine. Um, no, that was remember. that was one because it was live on the telly and I think Gary, Gary Lineker was there because it was Leicester. And, I, think I, think. So. I think so. There was. A young midfielder went to a fellow Scottish club. I didn't even remember that this is where he went after Hearts, to be honest. Um, a young, a young midfielder. We're looking at kind of Neil Janchik. Um, it's a long. It's it's the right. I mean, I, I say midfielder. Robert was, Sloan. Yes, I was going to say he was more of a wide midfielder. Was it Robert Sloan? Yes, went to St Johnston. <laughs> I didn't even remember that we let him go to St Johnston. Um, but there you go. We've had, well, lot, we've had a lot. Thank you. That was that's a good quiz. I like that because you can't just go on the internet. You've got. I like the clues. The clues are good. Yes. We've, we've had a lot. We've had a lot of players like Robert Sloan, haven't we? Robert yeah. Sloan, Jamie Mole, Callum Elliott. Joe they got Hamill. the chance. Yeah. Joe Hamill. Yeah, they just they just were unable to to make it for for whatever reason. Have we had? I might be deviating here. I know we're near the end. Have we had anybody who we've let go? And they've really gone on. I, I'm thinking about Bjorn Jonsson, who went on and got a move to AZ, but didn't really do well after that. Have we had anybody we've kind of thought, nah, not good enough for us, and then they've just exploded elsewhere? Um, I can't think ones who've actually had a chance in the first team. You know, you you hear of the players who were, who yeah, were... like Rice and Bowley played at a World Cup. I, I get that he never really got a choice, a chance in the first team. But players that played for Hearts in the first team, but just kind of more sub. And didn't really do anything until they got a move 
and that really ticked them on. Like a, a De Bruyne or a Mo Salah at Chelsea, it didn't work out for them. They went away and came back and, and were much better elsewhere. I can't think of anyone who really kind of kicked on to a... You hear the players who were with Hearts when they were like, you know, 14, 15 and, and then were let go. But in terms of ones who actually got into the first team, didn't look like it or were let go... I can't think yeah, of that's men. the key. We're not we're not talking about good players that did well in the Hearts first team, went on to a better move and ended better because that's going to happen. Like Tosh McKinley and whatever. Back in the that kind of era, you had to move to Rangers or Celtic to get a Scotland cap, or that's how it appeared from a Hearts perspective. Because how many times did non-old firm players move to the old firm and suddenly get called up by Scotland? I can't really think of any who were actually in the first team and didn't no. look didn't look like they would do it, and we let go, and then they they really kicked I mean, on. De- De- Dennis Prytinenko never won a World Cup, did he? <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, no. Milan Baryak Taravic never won anything with Sweden, did he? Uh, oh my God! The Remember him? Big, yes. big goalie, big black-haired goalie. We had so many of these, um, so many of these players through the the doors. But anyway. Season 2004-2005, just to wrap that up, Hearts moved up one place before the end of the season. Season They finished fifth, uh, but they were 11 points behind fourth place Aberdeen and two points ahead of Motherwell. Then, of course, um, they'd have a very busy uh, summer transfer window before season 05-06. Could we do do that every week? I know. Some sort of quiz. I like that. Yeah. Because there's going to be a lot lot I won't get, but... I've got more chance, I think, of getting the right answer pre-2010, because I can use the excuse of it being over here, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but there was that era when you're kind of you're, you're at hearts every kind of week, maybe twice a week reporting on them or, or whatever. Um, I like those. I like, that's a very, very good quiz. Do you know what's funny? Um, I looked back and I looked at the January signings, and it's quite a lot of... Januarys where we either didn't sign anyone or signed just one or two players. You know, in my head, I thought there'd be lots of busy January windows. But quite a few seasons, I was just kind of scrolling through. There was very little activity. Um, I remember. I remember BBC Scotland started a thing, and I can't remember which year it was, but they started a thing called Through the Window, and it was usually on Monday night or whatever, and it was. It went on air, it was sports sound, um, but it went on air until like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, depending on when the thing was. And the first year was brilliant. It was a really good listen. It was fast-paced. It was teams making moves. And after about year three of it, it was just like people were just audio-wise twiddling their thumbs. <laughs> now we can go live to such and such. Nope, nothing happening here because the money just kind of went out of it. There was a spell where January transfer windows in Scotland were kind of exciting and then nothing after that. Yeah. Um, and I don't imagine this month will be will be much different because who's got money to spend? No, it's very true. It's very true. Jim White in his um his yellow tie <laughs> might not be called on this month. Have you have you got an obvious striker for us to sign? By the way, have you had o- your or someone that you thought oh that that might work because you play football manager a lot. I've been following your progress with, with Hearts <laughs> in this in this new season. Have you come upon anybody this season that you think? Mm. Well, the the, oh, yeah. the the striker I've signed to help Liam Boyce in my second season on the new football manager with Hearts is on loan. Um, Rian, because he actually says his name Rian Brewster, isn't it? The one who is yep. um, at Liverpool. Sheffield United now. Yep. So I've signed him on loan for a season. He's um, a very good caliber of player. 
So there you go. I don't know if he's available on loan for no, Robbie, but he, he, he's, he's not. I think we need to kind of. <laughs> they signed him for twenty three point five million pounds. He, he did. So <laughs> his wages would bankrupt us. So, and Liverpool have a buyback clause of forty million, just a little forty million. So probably won't get him. Um, have you had a look at the Preston squad? Because our new what is he? Is sport director, director I, of football, Joe? I think what, what he's. He? I think he's um, sporting director. I think is the title now. Sporting director. Okay, so he's obviously got contacts. There's a player there. <laughs> okay, and I'm. I'm just gonna. I have not heard anything. Right? I know what you're gonna but say. A, you do know what I'm gonna say, don't you? Yeah. He used to play up here. Yeah, you're gonna say Louis Moult, aren't you? Yep. Yep. He's not playing for it. He's he's being linked by people on social media. Um, he he's not played very much. He played twice no. last season. Um, he's not played this season. He's not, been, he's not even been on the bench this season. Is he injured? Because if he's not, I mean, he's the kind of player. If you were to sign him, how long is he going to take to get him up to the required fitness? He's had a cruciate ligament um, injury, which he suffered in August August 2019. He this suffered. is 21 though. Aye. So it's a year and a half ago we suffered a cruciate ligament injury and he's not played again. <laughs> he certainly won't be match fit, I'll tell you that. He's not played a game well, that's since. That's what I'm saying. If, if we signed him, how long's a player who's not played for forever? Well, we won't play Brora until like January 2023, so he'd be ready for that. Um, just a thought. Just yeah. a thought. Someone, someone that the new man would know very well. He's, but it's, again, if you if you're signing a striker in January, you ideally want him to to play straight away. Like Gary McKay Stephen played in December, right? So he might take a couple of games to get up to to speed, and then a few more kind of starts to 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 fire on full cylinder uh, on all cylinders. But if you that would be the dilemma. You you've got a player who knows Scotland well. He had a really good record at Motherwell. Should squish the championship, but Louis Moult has not played. Let's find out his, his last game. His last time on the bench was August 2019. Aye, before Jesus. he did his cruciate. Yeah. So, that's that's going to take a while. Um, this is, it was just a thought. Yeah, it's this is where I would put in the Simon Carroll meme if this was on social media. I'm saying it's, it's a no from me. Um, but anyway, give, you know, give us your thoughts. Any sign-ins that you... Um, that you fancy, that you think Hearts could go for, let us know. And um, the, the homework question for next week is uh, when did Hearts make the obvious signing or the signing that looked to be a clear fit and how did it end up? Obviously, John Robertson was a very good one. John Sutton was less so. And we, we, will, we will be back next week. We will talk about the game at Recreation Park. I'm not going to call it the Indo Drill just now. And hopefully it will be hearts making amends for that defeat in November. Um, but until then, thank you for listening and see you next time. Heard you talk about how you want someone just like me. Mm. 
But every time I ask you why 